This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. All right, week number two of Live No Lies. Everybody say, Live No Lies. <clears throat> Look at your neighbor and say, It's time to stop living a lie. <laughs> so, we're making massive assumptions here today. Um, <clears throat> Hey, the goal of this series is to unmask the face of our enemies and develop a strategy to fight back. We got to unmask the enemy. Uh, Growing up, um, I was privileged to grow up in an amazing church, um, and uh, my great-grandmother was my pastor my entire life until I moved to college. And and I remember she, she had this special name for the devil. She didn't Used, she didn't say the word devil hardly ever, definitely didn't say Satan. She just, I don't know, there was no reason. She just liked this other word better. And I don't know if she came up with it or, or what, but I'm just going to say she did. That she made up the name Slewfoot. And I don't know if you've ever heard the term Slewfoot, but that was her name for the devil. And she would always look at all the little grandkids. There was dozens of us. She would look at all of us and say, it's important to know what God's plan for your life is, but it's also important to know what Slewfoot's plan for your life is. And, and there was this mindset growing up that I was instilled in as a child that God's got a plan, but so does the devil. And maybe for some of you, that's a brand new thought. And maybe if you're brand new to Christianity, then I'm glad we're starting you off on the right foot. But if you went to a church before and kind of fell away, what we're finding out in our research and our own study as a church is that we're finding out people who, who go to church and they fall away and come back, it's because they learned all about the love of God and learned nothing about the devil. And so when the devil showed up, they blamed God for the problems and took off. And, and, and we got to know what he's up to just as much as we know what he's up to. So the series Live No Lies is to help you with that because we know what the devil's primary activity is, right? Pastor Kelly taught us about it last Sunday in week number one. The devil's primary activity is lies, That is his primary activity, and you and I are living in this war between truth and lies right now. Now than ever before in the history of our country are we living in the battle of truth and lies. Does anyone agree with that statement? What you see when you read anything or watch anything is the battle between truth and lies. And to be honest with you, personally, that's what makes this teaching, these teachings of Jesus, that much more compelling. If there was ever a time in our country where we needed absolute truth, it is right now. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we have to know him to know the truth. So last week we learned the strategy of the devil. His strategy is deceitful ideas, that play to disordered desires that are normalized in sinful society. Now, it doesn't say sinful desires. It says disordered. If you love your ski boat more than God, that's out of order. If you love fishing more than church, that's out of order. Now, if you love fishing more than church, the church you've been going to is boring. All right, so I mean, it's like fishing sometimes is really Boring. All right, so there's deceitful ideas, lies, half-truths that play 
to your already out of order life. Or the things that are about to get out of order and the devil just kind of nudges it there. And then all of that gets normalized in a society that celebrates sin. And this is his way to keep it going and growing it. And honestly, this is what he's been doing for thousands of years. And the tricky thing, though, about lies is that they masquerade as truth. They, they, they don't walk up, lies don't walk into your life and say, hello, I am so approachable and attractive, I'm going to make you believe me, my name is Mr. Lie. There, it, it comes in like it's a truth that sneaks in. And there's a twinge of, uh, there's, there's a lie sneaks in with a twinge of truth on it. And honestly, you and I both have lies that we have believed that have affected the way we live and think. Everyone in this room. I remember when I was in elementary school, um, and I've said this before, I grew up not knowing that, you know, that I had ADHD growing up. I didn't know that. No one ever tested me. They just, you know, wanted me to be quiet and got spanked a lot. And so it was just a, just a lot of, you know, all around the room. And I remember I had this teacher made me stand up on a chair in front of everybody and, and say, this is how you should never behave. And so from then on, it was a lie that I believed that there was a brokenness, I was wrong, something's messed up with me, that carried me into adulthood until it was replaced with truth. Now, that might be like, you might say, that's a child's play thing, and everybody does, has to have a kid. Maybe, I don't know. I'm just telling you, though, that big or small, there are lies you've believed. That was big to me at the time. What are the big lies you've believed? And the devil brings them in. And it's now the filter for how you talk, walk, act, behave, who you marry, what church you go to, what college you go to, the people you choose to be around with. It filters things. And we got to know what the devil's lies are so we can replace them with the only thing lies can be replaced with. Lies can't be replaced with positivity. Lies have to be replaced with truth in order to negate them. They have to be replaced with truth. And honestly, the truth is some lies are more believable than others. Let's just be honest. Some lies are more believable. Like there are some unbelievable lies, like the Spurs are going to make it to the finals. That's just not believable. <laughs> oh, God. Now, football season just ended. I'm already messing with y'all. I'm just telling y'all there is 0% chance of the Spurs probably winning the next game, much less getting to the finals. There's lies that we believe that are not that unbelievable. Deceit is mostly true. Not, let's say 90% true, 10% lie. It's mostly true. The lies like this, they pretend to be truth, even to the point where you're having sometimes physiological and emotional responses to that lie as if it were true. It's that tricky. And this is why, honestly, side note, why the Sabbath is so important. And by when I say Sabbath, I don't just mean church attendance. I mean the time of your week where you have a 24-hour period mandated by God to every believer and disciple that you stop working, and you don't do anything related to your job, and you play with your 
kids, you have good food, good drink, good friends, laugh a lot. Calories don't count on the Sabbath. I wrote that in the, it's in there. <laughs> you have fun, you breathe, you pray, you talk to God, you center. If we don't have those times, then our lives compound with more lies. Because then you don't have time to even think about the lies you heard this week. So these things are very, very, very important. And you're like, well, Landon, I just don't have time for that. That's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. Your life's disordered and you won't make time for it. I haven't preached in three weeks. I'm a little sassy. <laughs> the deceit is sneaky. 90% of online dating profiles contain falsities. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Nobody likes long walks on the beach. Nobody. Nobody. People want a four-wheeler on the beach. Come on. Now that's that's not a lie. That'd be fun. See, tougher lies that are to detect are the ones that are the truth, but not the whole truth. Uh, deceit also comes in the form of statements. I added this in here to help you this year, since it's an election year. De deceit comes in the forms of oversimplifications, reductionary reasoning that takes a, a big topic and dials it down to a hashtag to trick humanity into a vote. And so if we are not careful, we'll believe the lie and then take up arms for a lie. And you and I, and I just want to be very, very honest with you, like we cannot fall victim to lies and clickbait because the devil loves to distract Christians with the things we see and read. It's deceptive. We've got to be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Last week we looked at Jesus' primary teaching about the devil. And there's some very important statements here we need to read. John chapter 8, he's talking to, he's talking to the Pharisees. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. You, you, your daddy is the father of all lies. Like you, you are the offspring of Satan. Jesus is like not cutting corners here. And you want to carry out everything your daddy says. Your dad's a murderer. And your father's been a murderer from the very beginning. And he's not going to hold the truth, and I'm not expecting you to either, because there is how much truth in the devil? None truth. No truth at all. When he lies, your daddy is speaking his native language. He's just driving it. I love Jesus. Because your dad's a liar, and he's the father of all lies. Yet. I'm telling you the truth, and you're not going to believe me because you've believed a lie. When Jesus says he was a murderer from the beginning, he's talking about Genesis chapter 3, the serpent in the Garden of Eden. And it's a very famous passage, whether you're a Christian in the room or not. Most Americans would know, just in the Christianized society that started that way, at least, that the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent. And, and what happened in the beginning of the book of Genesis. And it's really been a chief cornerstone of the descriptor of the human condition for thousands of years. And we're going to study it a little bit together today, and we're going to learn the strategy of the enemy. We're also going to learn how to beat the enemy. That's what today's called, how to beat the devil. Anyone ready to learn how to beat the devil today? Because he, he knows how to beat you. 
Imagine going to war with a foreign country and all you're talking about is how beautiful your tanks are. And you know nothing about your enemy. Seems ludicrous, doesn't it? I mean, it it seems so uh, ignorant when we talk about it that way. But spiritually, we just want to light candles and pray to Jesus and hope the devil forgets we exist. He's not forgotten about you. So we got to learn how to beat him. We got to learn how to beat old Slewfoot. All right, Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty. The Hebrew word there is deceitful, half-truth, 90-10, crafty, sneaky. That's how he is. Than any of the other animals the Lord God made. He said to the woman, did God really say? And when I read the Bible and it's like a, uh, that goes up three octaves. You know, you got to play with it. Did God, like, really? Did he? For real though, did he do that? He said to the woman, did God really say? You must not eat from that tree. Like, did God really say that? And then the woman said to the serpent, and she's already wrong by having a conversation with him. You have no obligation to have a conversation with the devil. When Jesus was on the mountaintop being tempted by the same slew foot, after he hadn't eaten anything for 40 days, The devil's offering him everything, and he quotes scripture back to him and then walks away. But if you don't know it, you can't quote it back. And if you don't know God through his word, then you start talking to him, and he leads you into sin. Let's continue. He didn't, I mean, he did say we can eat from any of the trees in the garden, but God did say don't eat from the tree that's in the middle. Don't touch it or you'll die. You will not certainly die. I mean, Eve, honey. I mean, come on, Eve. I mean, let's be, let's be real. Forget about it. That was for John Terry. New York. You're not going to die, Eve. Come on, I mean, come on, how dumb is that? Touch a tree and die? Who says that, Eve? You're going, like God, this, this is why God told you that. Because God knows that if you eat of that tree, then your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God. And then you're going to know everything he knows. And he's so scared of that, he's just telling you, don't touch it or you'll die. Don't do that. Eve, it's kind of like God saying, don't go outside with your hair damp, you get pneumonia. It's the same dumb untruth. It's an old wives' tale. It's not true. And he's just trying to like get you to... Believe this junk because he knows how much better off you'd be if you did. You feel it? You sense it? How gross do you feel right now? Like it's just, you're, you're, you're like, man, and he's still doing the same thing. Let's continue. Comes in with a thought and a lie. Verse 6. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, you know, sin always looked good. Sin always looks good. Always looks good. And it always feels good at first. It always looks good, feels good for a while. 
She saw that it was desirable for gaining wisdom. So she took some and she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then both of their eyes were opened and they realized they were naked. So they went, found some fig leaves and made clothes. And then the man, and the, wife, the man and the wife heard God walking through the garden in the cool of the day. So they ran and hid from God amongst the trees of the garden. And then God says, where are you? Oh, Adam. Like he doesn't know. He's hiding behind the ash tree that he made. Where are you, Adam? And then Adam's trying to throw his voice. Hiding behind the tree, he's like, God, God, we ran, we ran from you. He's like, God, we, we, we found out we were, we were ashamed, so we ran and hid. And then God says, who told you you were naked? Who told you that? Have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to? And the man said, the woman you gave to me, you took a rib, you stole from me, God, and gave it to this vile devil woman. Look what, I was fine before your big idea. I was fine, I was hanging out with tigers and puppies, eating papaya at the mouth of an active volcano, and now she shows up and all hell breaks loose. Tigers are mad, they want to eat me now. Puppies turn into wolves. I can't go anywhere. There's stickers. Stickers! Why? Now, that's how I think it happened. Maybe for you, it's a little more boring. Mine's better. <laughs> There's this double blame shifting going on. It's God's fault. It's her fault. God, I didn't get that promotion. You didn't answer my prayer. Our home is stressful because of him. If my husband would get his act together, our life would be better if it wasn't for the behavior of our children. We're not talking about my parenting style and how terrible it is. It's their fault. Double blame shifting here, there, here, there. I'm not happy because my boss is a jerk. I'm not happy because I don't have any money. Forget the fact I have a $900 car payment and I spend $1,200 a month on fast food. That has nothing to do with why I'm poor. But I just, if I had more money. Double blame shifting. Can I be honest with you? This is the root cause of a lot of your relationship issues. Be honest with you, own your stuff. Own your stuff. And don't let the enemy have a foothold in your home by arrogantly carrying some pride that you know you're right. Because if you've ever if for if you've ever had an argument with another breathing human being, you're hardly ever all the way right. Hardly, I mean, I don't I don't think I've ever been all the way right. And, and, and I think that you and I need to get it through our God-given skulls that if we could own our stuff and be honest, man, the devil wouldn't even have a starting point sometimes. 
And the more you're open and own your stuff, the more you're open to healthier relationships. And the more you start to find yourself surrounded by great people. Then the Lord God looked at the woman and said, what is this you have done? Like, what, Eve, what is going on? And this, she says, the serpent deceived me. So I ate it. I didn't know. I didn't know it was wrong. Ignorance is not enough to get us to sin. It's deception. It's the half-truths. It's, it's, and ignorance is also not a free pass. I remember uh, Kaylin was a baby. We hadn't had the boys yet. We were living in San Antonio. And we were driving up Naco, close to Topperwine, Judson, that area. He had a, we got right past Comanche Troll Park, and there was all these cones, and it looked like we were supposed to go, like, on the oncoming traffic side and go around something, and there were dozens and dozens of cars, I and mean, we were following this line of cars, and we were probably 20th in line, there was another 20 behind us, and cop cars everywhere. We didn't know what was going on, so we just followed these cars, and then all these cops start running towards us, and they start beating on my window. They're, like, they're like yelling at other people. I'm like, what is going on? So we rolled down the window. I'm like, is there something we can help with? Like, like we're genuinely like confused and concerned. And he starts screaming at me, yelling at me. He's like, pull over. I'm like, can I ask a question? He's like, you may not. I'm like, now you're making me mad. Like I, <laughs> then the devil deceived me. I'm just kidding. It's like this. So we pull over and he starts, they, they start taking pictures of everyone's license plate, start writing 30-something cars tickets. And none of us have a clue what's going on. None of us. I'm like, what is going on? And finally, uh, another police officer comes over, and she was nicer. So she answered my question, and she said, you all are being written tickets for driving onto an active crime scene. I was like, where? Like, what? The, the way the cones were set up showed us where to go. Topperwine was blocked off. The only other way to get out of there was to go in reverse all the way to Judson. And she was like, that's not going to hold up in court. We work for the city. You're just talking to a, a government official. We're the government. Good luck. So I called a lawyer, and I found out how expensive it was, so I just paid the ticket. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> we're in court, me and all these other people, same day. We're all sitting there together hanging out in court. This is so fun. And the, officer, or the officers were there that wrote us tickets, and they're sitting there like waiting to see what we're going to say. And it felt like a movie to me. I was like, this is weird. And uh, the judge said, just because you didn't know doesn't mean I can change the law. Your ignorance is not a pass for the penalty. And I've never forgotten that. And I think about that when I think about sin. And deceit. The Bible even says there are going to be people that get to the great throne of judgment and say, God, I didn't know. So you and I have to understand that there are still consequences for our sin and behavior. Ignorance is not a pass. So the Lord God says to the servant, because you've done this, cursed are you above everything else? 
above all livestock, all the animals, cursed are you. You're more cursed than a cat. And you will crawl. Man, that's a bad curse. You will crawl on your belly and eat dirt the rest of your life. Isn't the Bible fun? Y'all are like, this is not fun. <laughs> Look up on the screen. See, deception is the effective strategy for the devil. Deception is so effective. I mean, it's an election year. You're going to figure it out also. He's trying to get us to live out something contrary to our reality so we will live our life through the filter of that lie and then therefore suffer the consequences of sin because the devil's objective is to remove you. His objective is to steal, steal, kill, and destroy, not taunt and tease and play with. The devil doesn't have time to jack with you. He's trying to kill you. His objective is to remove you. Why? Because you are made in the image of God. And he hates you for that. So there's three questions that Christian philosophers have said that every human being is trying to answer because it it shows us how we navigate life. The first one is, who is God? Second one is, who am I? What am I here for? What on earth am I here for? That was actually, I think, the second series our church ever did was a series called, What on Earth Am I Here For? February 2015. It was this whole uh, series about this question. And then the third one is, what does life look like then after these two questions are answered? So what is the good life? Who's God? Who am I? What's going on here? So in Genesis chapter 3, the devil comes to bring lies to each one of these questions. In verse 2, he inserts a lie in the form of a question that says, did God really say? He begins to attack the character of God. Did God really say that? Is God, I mean, Eve, come on, level with me. Lady, Is I mean, why would God put these rules on you? I mean, God made, look at what God made. Look at everything he says he allegedly created. And now he's going to tell you, but don't touch the best part. What kind of person treats people that way? He begins to attack the character of God. And the only answer to that question is, God is not love. If a God would do that to me, God is not love. See, Eve, look, God is holding out on you. Because he knows, he knows there's a better life, but he can't let you do it. The beginning lie was attacking the nature and the character of God. And then the second lie is like the second question. He's attacking the nature of humanity itself, all of humanity. If you eat it, you'll become like God. If you eat it, you'll be like God. So Eve, let's cut out the middleman. Let's go straight to the manufacturer and then buy in bulk. Let's Costco this sucker and you'll know everything. His objective is to etch away at your understanding and belief of the nature of God and then etch away at the nature of humanity and the creation mirroring of us being made in the image of 
of God. And he says things like that to make you believe these things like we're not going to be submissive anymore. I'm not going to be dependent anymore because I've got this. Like I know a lot. I've, I've got this. And the devil's like, your eyes are going to be open. It's going to be beautiful. All, the, all those questions that you've been praying about, you'll finally have the answers to all on your own. And then he begins to distort the picture of the good life. Eat what that unloving, tempting God has forbidden. Eve, it's time to stop living life in the shackles of religion. It's time to deconstruct this idea. Does anyone, does it sound the same to you? Let's deconstruct this idea of God and church and what religion and spirituality actually is. And then ignore his unrealistic expectations because they're not good for you. I mean, Eve, honestly, right now, now that you see what I see, how do you feel in your heart? And then he leads her into this mindset of your being hurt. And this is the world's first appearance of victim mentality. And then she, therefore, after that, ignores the millions of other trees. She ignores the stake her husband is bringing home. Ignores all of it. Ignores everything God had for her. And then she ignores the fact that God was protecting her under his plan that she can't comprehend with a finite mind. And disobeys the protection and the covering of God and therefore is now subject to the consequences of that sin. And what sin always does is it shares itself with the people we love the most. And we share the sin like an infection. And we get other people to believe it. Things get distorted. Lies get believed. And the lie of the enemy is to continue to distort the nature of God. Etch away at the character of God. Give false promises for happiness and fulfillment. And these are still the lies he uses today. See, you and I are living in a day where sociologists, that sociologists are calling the rise of the nuns. Now, for those of you, I can see those of you that were raised in a Catholic school, you just twitched, you're looking for Sister Helga, you're waiting on a ruler. N-O-N-E-S. The rise of the nuns. 30% of Americans today, when asked what religion they're a part of, said none. 30 years ago, that was 3%. 30 years ago, 3%. And I I bring this up to you because if the answer to question number one is none, that's a disaster. Because the responses for question number two and question number three all hinge on the correct answer, answer to question number one. 
Our entire view of humanity itself starts with answering the most important question, who is God? If there's a creator, then that means there is, in fact, design, intelligent design. That means that you and I were both created with intention, that we were created on purpose for a purpose. You are not an accident. You're not a cosmic booger that changed into something. There was no big bang theory. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And dare I say, to live in a tropical climate naked all the days of your life, and we screwed that up pretty fast. Now we have to deal with weather like yesterday. If there's a creator, there's design. If there's Design, there's intention. If there's intention, there's purpose. If there's purpose, there's morality. That means God has a plan. And therefore, that means you and I, as seeing each other in the image of God, like we are now to respect and honor each other and respect and honor God. And that means now that there's accountability. The A word. Accountability, man, I was cool with the purpose part. Like, I don't want to be like this forever. Like, I'm cool with the purpose part. I'm okay with design as long as I get to tweak it. <laughs> but, you know, when you said accountability, Landon, like, I, I, let's go with the nah option. Let's go with none. Because I'd rather deal with the possible consequences of knowing all things and, and, and say none. Because let's go with the no creator option because if there's no design, then that means there's no morality, that means there's no accountability. So let's go with that because I want, I want you to keep your rules off of me. I mean, it's, it's keep your laws off my body. Keep your morality far from me, my body, my choice, my life, my rules. Let's go with that option. Don't tell me to submit. The Bible says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It's anti-God. And when people are watching the Left Behind movie looking for a a really nice white guy in a suit to be the Antichrist, that's not how it's going down, by the way, and he doesn't speak Russian. He's, the Antichrist is already here. It's the spirit of Antichrist. It's the the spirit of you can be against God and culture call you holy, and you can be with God and culture call you a bigot. That's the spirit of anti-Christ. And this is the type of unrestrained, unaccountable, this false sense of freedom. We have parades to honor sin. This leads to all kinds of injustice, especially injustice to children and women in our society. And it's the root cause of what you see on the news. And don't get duped in an election year to believe that any politician can fix what you're seeing with your eyes. Our nation will only be healed when the church of Jesus Christ leads like she's supposed to and lovingly shows the world what the answer to question number one truly is. It's the only way. You vote the Bible and you move on. And then we live our lives according to that creator. So if you're going to 
drive a train. Let's drive the truth train. All right? And get off the other ones. See, the devil comes with the same strategy over and over and over again. He's not creative. He's very boring in that way. Which begs the question, though, why do we fall for it every time? Or, let's say, so often. Why do we fall for it at all? And I want to propose to you the reason why, and it's because of these two words we don't have, spirit and truth. Spirit being the presence of God among us. Truth being our, the reality that comes from absolute truth. You see, by spirit and truth, you and I are transformed into the image of Jesus, and then we're, we're set free. He came to set us free to live that life he's planned out for us because he's the creator. Conversely, on the other hand, by isolation and lies, we are deformed into the image of the devil and enslaved to a life of evil and death. This word was chosen on purpose. The deformity of our current culture's ideology is painfully active, deep. Culture has its own values by which people live. We've got to have God's presence in us and among us, everyone. And honestly, that's why we'll never, ever, ever stop talking about growth track. It's my, my favorite part of growth track is when I talk to people and they, they tell me, I drove by one day, I was headed to Home Depot, saw the sign, and I saw a sign that said you were created on purpose for a purpose with a little cartoon finger pointing down old Wiederstein. So I was like, that's weird. So I drove down there and was going to Quick Trip anyway. I saw all these people smiling. So I went and got the kids and we came. Four weeks later, they were at Growth Track. They test drove last week. I'm telling you, the thing that they said was the game changer was they walked in and they said, I felt something in the building I've never felt in my life and I knew I needed it. So for those of you only watching online, please get, I want to invite you back into the room. Truth can come through the camera, but the experience comes with God's people. And we need the spirit connection. And the truth is reality. See, spirit without truth, though, has no meaning. That's, that's those people that write blogs online about how to be a real Christian that don't go to church. <laughs> they don't tithe, they don't go to church, they don't, they don't follow God's word, but they got a lot of opinions. And they're not submitted at all. They're not doing anything Jesus said to do, but they know a lot about the Bible, and they're dangerous with it. It's like they've, they've got all this stuff, but there's no meaning to it. And they start a little house church and find other people that do weird things too. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, that's not okay. What's also not okay is truth without the Spirit because that's cold and cruel. And we've all been to the Church of the Frozen Chosen before where you walk in the door and it smells like old food and there's ficus plants everywhere from 1989 Home Depot launch with a plaque on it that Sister Gertrude bought this with her estate. Don't move it 
or Uncle Henry's going to kill you, and don't you dare sit in Hazel's seat. Don't you dare. She'll beat you with that tambourine. Don't you dare. You're not wanted there. You can feel there's no spirit in the room, but they're preaching truth and beating people up with the Bible every day. We got to have both. And y'all pray for me because those people have buildings. And I'm still asking God why. <laughs> y'all pray for your pastors. Lord, have mercy. We would make it so pretty in there, Lord, please. They can still come. They just won't have a say in anything. Anyway. See, the devil's goal, though, is to isolate you and lie to you. He can get you alone and lie to you. See, you need community to have a real Christian faith. You can't live in the echo chamber of your own ideas and expect to grow your faith. you got to have people so we will never, ever stop telling you about small groups. You need to visit a small group this week if you're not in one. And we have a lot of people in small groups. And when we started small groups, we had other pastors in town that are now friends of mine. But back then, they made me mad. When they told me, Landon, don't do it. It'll fail. Don't start small groups. Just do a Wednesday night service. It's easier. You can control it. Just re-preach it. Just do it a little different. And I was like, that sounds so lame. I'm not, no. No, we, we knew from the beginning, how are people going to get real community? Not by hearing us preach again, but by being in the room with real people going through real stuff. And God brought you to this cafeteria on purpose because he knows your next vacation buddy is in the room. And you don't even know their name yet. And this is how God works. And now our church has over 75% of our adults in small group, with this, which is 50% higher than the national average in churches. People have found the freedom that comes with community and having people around you. Proverbs 18.1 says, he who willfully won't go to small group seeks his own. That's what it says. He who decides to not go to a small group seeks his own self. And he will fight anyone that has a better idea. He will fight anyone that has wisdom. Because if you show them wisdom and they accept it, then that means they have to admit they were wrong. And no one with the pride of self will ever say, I was wrong. So he who willfully separates himself from God and others seeks his own big ideas. And he, he'll believe it so hard, he'll fight you for it. Yeah. Landon, you don't understand how important I am at my job. That's my favorite one men tell me. And they're like, Landon, there's no one else that can do what I do. I was like, bet. Bet. There's somebody younger than you that'll take 20 grand less than you. That's better than you. And they won't hesitate to get rid of you. Now I'm meddling. Got a little deep in here. I'm <laughs> just saying. See, we'll never stop inviting you to growth track because it will open you up to others. It will open you up to your purpose. And we all need to know who's in the foxhole fighting with you. We all need to know that. And to be honest, this is why some of us are nervous about going to growth track, though, right? We're like, okay, number one, Landon, I kind of like everyone not knowing me. Uh, number two, I don't like people. 
Only here because I, I, like my dislike for people is lower than my dislike for burning in a lake of fire for eternity. So I'm not really down with the growth track thing. You want me to go to this other building on a Sunday night? Like Landon, like come on, man. Like it's my only day off. That's already a problem. It's my only time to be, do whatever I want. I'm thinking about it. And this is my favorite one. Landon, we're really praying about it. (laughs) There is nothing to pray about. God's like, I brought you to a cafeteria. Isn't that a signal enough? You wouldn't have found this place with your eyes glued open. I brought you here to a cafeteria. And now there's a step being offered to you and now you want to pray? Don't pray that to me. Just go. Thus saith the Lord. (laughs) Guys, I'm telling you, there is a power that is afforded to you when you take a step in his direction. Honestly, it's what he did to Eve. He got her wrapped up in thinking and he kept her alone. I don't know what would have happened if she had people around her in that moment. Like right now in this room, are you being tempted to sin? Other than some of y'all are mad at me for the things I've said about your job, whatever. Other than throw a chair, are you tempted? No, because you're around people. None of you are sitting in this room going, I can't wait to rob a bank. None of you are thinking that. But if you do, the building campaign, I'm just kidding. I'm just, just, that was a joke. Calm down. Ties into the other joke. It's called humor. Um, it's because you're around God's people. Because you're not alone. But when you are alone is when the devil shows up. Did God really say? Is God really good? This is actually the road to the better life. I think the devil is thinking because he knows if you take a step, you'll be transformed. And he can't let that happen. And so he's going to get you to overpray about it, overthink it. And he's thinking, if I can get everyone in the world Wi-Fi and a phone, how can I do that? And he's thinking through how to get that done because he wants you alone. Wants you alone with your phone. It's a little corny, but you won't forget it. So the next time you're alone with your phone and you're doom scrolling, I hope you see this. Say, he wants you alone with your phone. Because whose responsibility is it to align your thoughts to Jesus' thoughts? Whose responsibility is that? It's yours. It's no one else's. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not God's responsibility. Students, it's not your parents' responsibility. It's yours. And let me say that you're not a victim of society. Our poor children today, they're 
being factioned and victimized. They don't know where they stand. So I'm so glad we have such a great leadership over our next-gen department. The average American watches TV four and a half hours a day. And it's usually at night. So we're getting all this blue light in our eyes, re-watching the office again. We know more about the character of Dwight Schrute than we do the Holy Ghost. It's a problem. I'm not saying entertainment's bad. I love being entertained. Who doesn't? <laughs> I love it. But we have spirit and truth more. The average American is on their phone five hours a day, cumulatively. Out of 24 hours a day, it adds up to five. The average American. So let's say you're a rock star Christian and you're like, I'm killing it at this Christian game. I have not hit catch me up button on Version Bible app once this year. I've, did the, I've done the devotionals every day. Like I'm killing this Jesus thing. It's awesome. You'd still struggle to make it nine hours a day. It's unrealistic. Guys, it's, it's my, this, this is something you got to get in your heart. It's my responsibility to turn my thoughts to Jesus. It's my responsibility to engage in community. It's my responsibility to take a step at growth track. It's my responsibility to use the gifts and talents God has given me in service to others so there can be a platform built for other people to learn. They were created on purpose for a purpose so they can come out of darkness into light. It's my responsibility to then train them how to do the same. And then we're all going to look up 40 years down the road and see millions of people because it was an exponential impact on a family tree scale affected for eternity's sake because I chose this path. Or we can chase the American dream and retire to some nicer house and be alone and affect no one. Three things. Fire up your Bible reading. Lana, I don't understand it all. I don't either. I'm still learning. I don't think anyone's ever going to understand it all. But there are tools available to you online that weren't even available even five years ago. You can go to BibleGateway.com. It's all free. You'll become a Greek and Hebrew nut. Just learn all the cool stuff about the Bible. It's fascinating. You got to have God's word in you when you don't need it, so it'll be there when you do need it. And if it's not in there, when the devil starts to talk, you'll talk back thinking you can outreason him. And you'll never win. The devil won't go, I didn't think of that. I mean, I know it was in heaven with God and all of that. But wow, you must have been there first. It's never going to happen. Number two, get in a small group. There's, there's small groups all over town, all different subject matter, times of the day, weeks. I think seven days a week, there's small group options. Get in a small group. And number three, you got to audit your media intake. I'm not going to harp on it. 
I'm not going to tell you the hours. and I'm, I'm just telling you, you need to ask God, how much non-God in my life is affecting my spirituality? And can I tell you, it doesn't have to be bad in order to distract. I love those pages on Instagram, the links y'all send me of like the page called Boating Idiots. It's hilarious. I'm like, why do they get to drive a boat? That's crazy. It's funny, like they can't back a trailer up. It's hilarious. But then you look up four hours later, you're watching baby turtles hatch and you don't know how you got there. Anyone else? And then you watch Charlie bit my finger again. You're like, is this still here? It doesn't have to be bad in order to distract. You got to audit your intake. Second Corinthians 2.11 says it's my duty. Whose? To make sure Slewfoot doesn't win anything. It's my job to make sure that Satan does not win even a small victory. He's not going to dupe me at all because I'm not going to be ignorant. I'm not going to be naive. And I'm not going to fall prey to his schemes. I'm not going to follow my heart. I'm going to follow God's word. And then James, the half-brother of Jesus, the pastor of the church of Jerusalem said, submit yourself to the authority of God. Resist the devil. Stand firm against him and he will what? Flee. It doesn't mean that he'll think about it. No, if you submit yourself to God, then you'll have the strength to resist the devil. And when you're standing firm in God's strength and resisting the devil, you know how we resist the devil? It's when we're playing Red Rover, Red Rover, let Satan come over. He ain't getting through because you're in a small group. But if you're alone, you're like the 49ers at the end of the game. He will flee. Everybody stand to your feet. Prayer team, go ahead and come on down. I, I pray that as you leave here today, guys, that you come, you come out of this room with the attitude of, I'm going to put up a fight. I'm not getting duped anymore. I'm, I want you to have the attitude of, I'm done. Everybody say, I'm done. Now say it with some attitude. Say, I'm done. I'm done with that. See, I say, I'm done being lied to. I'm done being duped. I'm done being made to look stupid. I'm done being deceived. I'm done being isolated. I'm done being alone. I'm done with this idea. I'm done wandering through life accidentally, trying to find purpose in and of my own self. I'm done waking up dreading the day. I'm done living my life through the filter of the enemy's lies. And I'm putting the devil on notice today that I'm done. Because today, everything changes. It can change today with the mindset of I'm not living that lie anymore. I'm not going to live that lie anymore that she doesn't respect me. I'm going to become the husband that's worth of respect. I'm not going to live my life that he doesn't love me. I'm going to respect him and love comes in return. I'm going to be worthy. I'm going to be worthy of, of my children's respect. I'm going to be the kind of employee that they're begging to promote. I'm going to follow God and not follow my heart. I don't care what Pocahontas said. I'm going to follow my, my God and his word. 
I'm going to submit to his authority. I'm going to get my family in church. I'm going to get in small group, as scary as it might be. And as much as I haven't liked the people I've known before, I'm going to choose to believe that God brought me to a cafeteria on purpose and that my best next step is in this room. And I'm going to choose to follow God's will and his way in that. And I'm going to let God be God. And I'm putting the devil on notice. I'm done with your plan. So we can silence Slewfoot today. Because now you're no longer ignorant. You Now you're no longer naive. Now you know what he's up to. Now your antennas are up and you're going to hear the deceit. You're going to hear the lies. And you'll be able to catch it before it grows into something else. God, I pray that right now everyone within the sound of my voice, they start feeling that that tug of the Holy Spirit that if they, if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that today they are going to walk down and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They're going to come down and tell a prayer partner, I'm ready to meet Jesus. I'm tired of living this lie. And they'll come down and make heaven their home. The devil will get a black eye and heaven will have a party. And for those that are, have walked away from Jesus before, that they're, they're pulling up to the house and Jesus is running out the front door to the end of the driveway before they even put it in park because he's so happy they came home. And God, would they feel that warm embrace of the Lord right now. And God, for everyone that needs some strength and some courage to resist the devil, I pray that they would come down front today. And if it's in their marriage, they come down together. If it's in their parenting, they come down. And what, God, whatever it is, at their job, if they're feeling lonely, if they're feeling abused, if they're feeling used, God, they come down, they say, give me strength and courage to submit to the Lord. I'm tired of living a duped life. So God, I pray that you give them courage to do those three steps to beat the devil. And may they never be the same. In Jesus' name. The worship team's going to lead us in a chorus, and as they do, the communion lines are open on the side to come receive communion and remember the sacrifice of Christ for you. And the altar team is here to pray with you over anything that you need. In a couple of minutes, Kelly and I will come and end the service. You're free to respond. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, Tell us your story by emailing mystory@thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.